This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of The Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. From the Friday Night Drive, I'm Michael Dwojek here with The Record North Shore founding member, Joe Coglin. We've had a Another active week. We've got uh, the last third of the football season coming up. We've got state uh, golf coming up. We're heading down the final stretch for all the other fall sports as well. So we've got a lot to talk about in this week's episode of the podcast. We're going to do our usual four-quarter format. Um, In the first quarter, we're going to recap week six of the football season. Also head on a little bit about some golf and also a main south story that I put together this past week. In the second quarter, we are joined by new trier football coach Brian Dahl as he uh, goes over a, a tough week six loss. Uh, he'll get some comments out of him there. Um, in the third quarter, we play Way or No Way, a weekly guessing game. And then in the fourth quarter, preview week seven of the football season. We've got some fun matchups as we head into the final third of the football season. So we've got some fun stuff to look forward to in the fourth quarter. Uh, just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast they're available make sure you give us a nice review we always appreciate it always uh want to get to as many uh sports fans as we can um hopefully uh that will be a good way for us to do that but why don't we get things started here joe i'll bring you in um to a, a really tough nutrier loss to evanston nutrier losing 26 to 22 um falling uh to one and five now after the loss but joe um just a heartbreaking loss for this team that, you know, has dealt with much, you know, throughout this, this entire year. But, um, you know, if New Cheer wanted to make a run at the playoffs, they needed to win this game. And um, they just weren't able to do that at all, late especially. I mean, this New Trier season is, is truly unlike any I've ever seen. And that's uh, in the worst ways possible. It's crazy. Um from blowouts to blown leads to close losses to whatever happened in Evanston. I mean, just a breakdown upon breakdown upon bad, bad, a lot of things. Um, and, uh, I mean, coach Dahl, I think was really candid and honest and you'll hear a lot of it in the second quarter about uh, how disappointing a lot of things have been and, and putting a lot of it on his coaching staff as well. He and his coaching staff. Um, that's, it was, I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, I don't even know what to say in that it was so bad. I mean, I can, I can try to describe it to you guys that last play and and maybe you've seen the highlight because I don't want to take away from just an incredible effort and, you know, game winning run, um, by the Evanston ball carrier. Um, I've seen his name 75 times in the past week and and I blanking on it when it's right in front of me. Um, sorry. Um, Demarion Timberlake. Thank you, Demarion Timberlake. Um, just an incredible play by him, and and uh, really, uh, he had a couple blocks in there, but also an individual effort that was off the charts. But I mean, he was pinned along the sideline by, f- I think, four new cheer guys missed the tackle, um, including three that might have had him wrapped up. You could say, um, I mean, that just can't happen. Plus, you have the sideline, which is like an additional tackler. And this is the game on the line here. Um, 
is not much. It, it it was just a terrible, you know, breakdown in play overall for Nutrier. Um, and that wasn't it. You know, the, a similar type breakdown happened in the end of a first half. I mean, Nutrier just scores to tie the game and you let Evanson go down the field and with literally as the time expired, hit a 50 yard pass, a guy streaking across the field um, at an angle, nobody on him, zero people at the end of the half, wide open for a score to take the lead in New half. I, just demoralizing play after demoralizing play. And that's, in my opinion, a breakdown on, on a number of facets from play calling to, uh, to the, to the execution on the field is it was very difficult to take. I'm sure more so for the players, but very difficult to watch too. Yeah, Joe, I, I, I wanted to ask you just what, what do you put on this? I mean, just what, you know, did like the opposing offenses have been able to do this entire season, you know, just getting big chunk plays um, in, op in opportune times, turnovers, mixed tackles, just what, you know, for a team that we thought was going to rebound a little bit here after a down season last year, um, when they tried to make a push late in the year, um, I, I think that this, you know, Nutrier team has kind of regressed from the team that it was, especially at the end of last year, you know, when they were really, you know, going on a run there and really showed a lot of growth. Yeah. Um, you know, there's nothing. It has taken a step backward for sure as a program. I don't think there's any other way to look at it, especially with the expectations that were mounted on this team. There's still no denying the talent on the field. Like uh, Miles Kermiscoli is a all-state caliber receiver. Uh, Patrick Hennigan's a two-year varsity quarterback starter who can make the throws. They've got uh, linebackers and, and defensive backs who are talented might go on to play college, a defensive line uh, that's got multi-year starters on it. Um, and they're just not uh, finishing games, not finishing games in any way. Um, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, but, you, you know, you really got to put, and I like all these guys and I work with all of them, so uh, it's nothing personal, but I really don't think these kids are being put in the best position every down on the field to, to make the plays. Um, I look at, at least it surprised me, after Evanston scored to take that lead, they were kicking off, right, with like 45 seconds left. They committed two penalties to back them up the kickoff. Then Nutrier had a nice little return. They were at the Evanston 44-yard line with 40-something seconds to go and two timeouts. That's not the end of the world. That's a decent amount of clock. Your, your passing playbook and possibly even runs, if you see something, are open. You got your two timeouts. I, and what I saw was uh, panic. Panic in the play calling, panic, panic on the field. Uh, and, I mean, I get it. You're at Evanston. The crowd was remarkable for Evanston. Just fantastic Friday night football crowd for the home team, homecoming. But um, – the first couple plays, if I remember, were we're running deep routes, everybody. And, you know, uh, Hennigan doesn't have anywhere to go under pressure. Um, then we finally find somebody in the middle of the field. Uh, I think four plays later, it's like all you need to do. And uh, trust me, I know much, much easier said than done. I get it. But 44 seconds, 44 yards ish, two timeouts. You need four 10-yard plays, and you're in the end zone. 
only two of those plays need to stop the clock uh, if you land in the field and you got the two timeouts. I, you've got a lot of things you can do, and you don't need big plays, like huge plays. You need to gain yards, and you need to do it pretty quickly. But I, I it just felt panic. It felt rushed. It felt like not what needed to happen. Um, and then on the last play, I believe, I'll have to look at the tape again, they were trying to run a hook and ladder or something like it instead of a just loft it up to the end zone to one of your big guys. You've got three guys that are over six foot two. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm nitpicking because, you know, Evanston had the lead, but I really feel like there was still an opportunity there to score. Uh, well, I don't really think you're nitpicking. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, you would be nitpicking if maybe, you know, the roles were reversed and there was a big, you know, I, I know a lot of new trip people would be mad at me for saying this, but, you know, a big Loyola win or anything like that. That's like nitpicking. I don't think it's nitpicking when you, you know, blow a lead late and, um, you know, are not able to put things together. I think, you know, this it's just been the team that this has been this entire season. Yeah. And I think, you know, we'll probably hear this quote from Coach Dahl um, in the second quarter, but I, I think this pretty just sums up everything. I mean, we're just not – we're not a good football team right now, and it's hard to watch. I do not think we would have be at this place with a lot of kids who I expect to have a great senior year, and I feel bad for them. And I, I understand why it feels bad for them because, it's like you said, there's a lot of talent for, on this team. There's a lot of, you know, good experience that went through a lot of tough moments last year, and you're not seeing much of that growth, if any of that growth. You had your quarterback come back. You had your, you know, you have a lot of guys who are having big, big performances, but you're not getting those key plays, you know, to stop a um, – uh, uh, third and 21 late in the game to win, like to hold on to your two, you know, point advantage. I think, you know, you just, you just need to win those kind of plays to win those types of games. And you just haven't seen that from Nutrier. You didn't see it against prospect earlier in the year. You didn't see it against, you know, main South or any of those teams. And um, I, I just don't think, you know, picking on that kind of stuff kind of shows that. I mean, this team is who they are at this point after six weeks. Yeah. I, th I think they're confused and, and, we may I I certainly may have overlooked kind of the um, maybe just the overall disarray they were in um, in saying that they were better than their record. But you know, is Dennis Green? You are what your record says you are, and I think uh, or maybe that was Parcells. Um, it's it it certainly has proven true in Nutria's case because they you know no matter the close games or whatever they they can't against any opponent they, they can't figure it out and that's like Dahl said that's it's not it's the mark uh, of a bad team right now and that's it's a shame all right we'll, we'll talk more about new chair and hear more about new chair in the second quarter when coach Dahl joins us and when we preview their week seven matchup but let's move on to uh some happier times um a good homecoming for highland park who picked up a much needed 30 to 6 win over niles north on friday um just a complete performance show that I kind of think we expected against the Niles North team, but also, you know, something that me, you know, we've been waiting to see for much of the season, just, you know, them putting a complete performance like this, both offensively and defensively. Yep. Yeah. You needed to, uh, you needed to take this one to kind of start this little stretch here that you uh, need to pile up wins. Um, you, you get yourself back to 500 at three and three with uh, Maine West, Maine, I'm sorry, Maine East, Niles and Vernon Hills, uh, Niles West, that is, and uh, Vernon Hills left on the schedule, uh, winnable games for you, um, and uh, you needed it, so you got it, 
and uh, you put it together in both facets of the game. I do think that um, they didn't play a perfect game. They played a good game, and they won it, and they left really no doubt. But we had drops here or there. They're still missing their top receiver. Um, they're dealing with some injuries. They did put in a new running back, um, uh, not a new face, Tyler Glazer, their middle linebacker, is a bruising uh, running back for them. Um, uh, had a nice performance, scored a couple times um, on the ground. And that's going to be a nice asset for them, I think, in short yardage situations because they are going to play. I feel like the Niles West game is going to be close and maybe the maybe the main, I'm sorry, the um, Bernie Hills game could be close too and, and they need to pick up at least one of those. Um, assuming that is a big assumption they're going to beat Maine East. Um, hopefully they take care of business this week too. But uh, So there's that and uh, yeah, I Overall, needed the win. They can still play better, but uh, they get, they did what they had to do on homecoming night. Joe, the offense uh, did most of their damage on the ground, racking up 170 yards. Nico Rosenblum chipped in 46 ground yards, and quarterback Davis Binfer had 18 with a two-yard score. What are you more impressed with what you saw on Friday? Is it the um, you know what the offense was able to do on the ground, or is it just limiting Niles North to six points? I think um, I like their ground game. I just really like that they they decided to focus on that with with uh, Tyler Glazer back there and uh, also working in their their three year tailback Nico Rosenblum and Finfer of course can run as well. So them just running a lot. I think also Johnny Walker had a few carries. Uh, one of their receivers. Uh, that's a nice thing to kind of work on and, you know, make sure you get the win, of course, and they did, and they were really running that clock. One of the fastest games I've ever been to, by the way, in terms of clock, because they were just running, 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 and the clock was moving, um, which was nice. But, um, yeah, I was really impressed with that ground game. I thought they did a real good job establishing it and sticking with it and really, uh, really just driving the other team out of the game. All right, we'll hit more on them in the fourth quarter as we look forward to – week seven for them and especially their playoff run as we uh, are looking forward to that but let's wrap things up here uh with the football wise at least with uh, a 21 to 5 win for Loyola over St. Rita on the road on Friday and um I know I saw both the Neil story and I got a chance to catch up with coach uh Bo Deshiro, um for my notebook this week and um 21 to 5 isn't really a score you see that often and uh I think you know Bo talked about how you know, they won the game on a late, you know, they got a late score. It was actually closer to 14 to five for much of the game, but um, St. Rita gave Loyola its toughest test. The defense was, you know, bend, don't break. The offense finally looked like the young offense that we kind of expected them to look like this year. I know they put up 21 points, but um, Joe, I feel like this felt like a good, you know, maybe punch in the mouth where you kind of respond from it, but it did kind of wake things up where I feel like everything has been going perfect so far for Loyola for much of the season. Yeah, I think you need these games. Um, you know, you don't need losses, um, but sometimes you need just rugged opponent. They're going to drag you through the dirt, and you got to come out on top. And I think Loyola did a good job of that. We're never really threatened to lose the lead. I mean, St. Rita kept the pressure out, of course, so they had to play in a pressure environment, but they still kept, a, you know, an arm's length um, and then put the game away in the fourth quarter. Another thing you want to see, you know, you have a chance to put it away. Let's let's drive it home. And they did that with that final score. I think with with about five minutes to go or four minutes to go, um, and that was good. And and that defense again, uh, it's just they respond over and over. I don't know what else you could say about them if if the the proof is in kind of the the points they give up. 
Um, it's not much, um, especially some of the touchdowns early in the season were given up by second and third units we talk about. And uh, this one, they held um, a good St. Rita team to five points. Actually, they gave up three um, because the two were on a safety. Um, so pretty good stuff from that defense. Once again, um, they just uh, continue to be dominant. And man, that, that Mount Carmel matchup just looks, it, I just get more excited and excited as it comes up. Um, closer and closer yeah those yeah I mean we'll definitely talk about that moving forward but um, that matchup will definitely not disappoint and might even be a little bit better than last year's matchup just with the amount of talent that both teams are really able to show this year but yeah mentioning that defense I mean that defense is still averaging 8.2 points per game given up and that is just in the that's just a crazy statistic because last year even last year's dominant defense they gave up some points especially maybe a little bit later on in the game but maybe when the second unit was in, but this year's defense is just so, you know, strong. And I asked the bow about it and he said, it's because like all three levels of the defense have senior experience. You got, obviously Joe Kelly has just been a monster um, in the middle of that line earlier this year, the linebackers are good. And then you got the secondary who's um, really communicating well as well. So, you know, that de that defense is just so impressive with what it's able to do and what it's able to limit where, you know, Cienarito was able to move down the field, get big yards. They really limited DJ Stewart, the Rita's uh, big running back. But when it mattered the most, especially in the red zone, um, Loyola made plays to really limit Cienarito. I think that's exactly what's going to matter once you get into the playoffs and, you know, the deeper you go. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think they did play without um, one of their, their leaders in Kenny Langston in the secondary. Um, but um, they're, they're deep. And uh, they bring the next guy in, and I think he had a nice game. Did he? Uh, he might have had a turnover. Um, so, yeah, it, that defense is just going to be, um, you know, no matter what happens the rest of the way, because of that defense, they're a toughed out throughout the playoffs. They're just going to be. Um, even if they play a superior team, that superior team is going to have to play at their best level just to score on that defense. So, um it's uh, it's definitely an asset for them um, going forward, and something that you can rely upon is is nice. And it, you know that that sort of strength certainly helps the offense, um, and they help each other. But the young offense kind of grow and develop, knowing that they have a defense there that they can uh, that supports them. I'm going to ask you: Are you concerned after that performance from the offense? You know, or is that pretty much you know we've been waiting for that to maybe happen where? You've got a junior quarterback. You've got a lot of new pieces and all that kind of stuff. Is that kind of performance where you just kind of, all right, you're playing a CCLA, a CC blue opponent. Uh, you've got big guys. They're going to be able to cause pressure. And it's just a good learning moment for, you know, Ryan and the offense going against, you know, one of the better, you know, defenses in the state. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. I think you described it well. And I, they were going to run into this just one with, with the youth on that, um, um, on the offense, but also as teams like St. Rita develop, I mean, they're getting better too. Um, so we talk about sometimes they catch a Marist or a brother Rice or whomever early in the season, and they're able to really jump on their defenses. And now we're getting later. Those defenses are really tight, are a lot tighter um, and have more figured out. And um, Rita probably didn't have too much to figure out, but I think that they're certainly a better team and they're getting better. And I think that's just what happened. And uh, Loyal was still able to keep it at an arm's length. Um, so um, I think, yeah, it was, it was expected. You described it well.
All right, we'll hit on Loyola more in the seventh, uh, not the seventh quarter. We'll hit them more on their week seven matchup in the fourth quarter. Could you imagine if we did seven quarters of this? Um, but uh, let's move on over now to golf where um, Nutria Boys Golf continued its dominance. Um, just a, another great performance from the Trevians as they advance to state as a team. Logan Keeter goes low again and wins the individual sectional as well as uh, things just keep on going well for this Trevians team that I feel like Joe continues to impress even more with each postseason performance they have. Yeah, they're ridiculous. They are really firing on all cylinders, like uh, Coach Trevlin told me last week at the regional. Um, they went, you know, eight under par as a unit. Uh, that's that's spectacular. Um, they won the sectional by 11 strokes after winning the regional by 15. They're certainly, I think, going to be the favorite uh, this weekend at state. Uh, Logan Keeter, Johnny Kremian, Noah Zhang, and uh, Zhang. And um, was it Oliver Barr? I can't remember. We're all in the top 10 or maybe uh, 11. Um, I mean, that's that's unbelievable. Um, just a really impressive unit depth is there. And uh, yeah, let's hope for a – it'll be a little colder this weekend, I think I saw on the yeah. – um, so maybe a little – a little more uh, chaos in, in injected into the state finals, but um, they're playing so well right now. We'll see. It doesn't seem like there'll be any snow though. I remember that couple of years ago where they like had to like cancel Friday or postpone Friday mm -hmm. because of the snow that uh, I don't think that is in the forecast at least. No, I don't think so. I think just we're looking at fifties, pretty classic October weather. Yeah. Uh, a little bit further South North shore country day picked up another, uh, picked up a sectional championship in Kankakee. Um, three Raiders, um, all tied uh, for 11th with six over 78. That's Nolan Dardnier, Jonathan Wiggins, and Max Greenberg. Highland Park golfer Kylan Patel advanced to the state uh, individual thanks to his two over 74 at Mount Prospect. Uh, four local girls golfers will also compete. Um, Loyola Academy's uh, seniors Katie Magner, Gigi Vera, and Abby Dimbario will represent Loyola. Um, moving forward, a new tier sophomore, Grace Leber, finished with one over 75 to also qualify for state. So uh, congratulations to all of them as they uh, head down to the central Illinois and uh, get ready for a fun weekend of golf. Um, always good to kind of get that action going. And uh, we have our first uh, state championship of the fall season. So we are uh, we're getting there, folks. We are uh, getting toward the end of it and winter is getting closer um, each, every uh, every single week. Yeah, which means we're we're uh, we're getting closer to basketball season, which is great. But also, just a quick note on golf. Uh, this is the first time Nutria Girls Golf didn't win a regional and didn't qualify for state in like twenty five years. Um, so, just just one of those seasons. They still had a nice season, but uh, they didn't qualify as a team, which for the girls' golf landscape in the state is rare. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, especially. So uh, um, maybe not the success that they wanted to have in the past, but obviously still a really impressive run for them. And uh, to get a, a golfer down there is really impressive. Um, so congrats to her. But um, we're going to up here in the first quarter. Just wanted to talk about um, my story that I published this Friday Night Drive. You can find it there about um, my months-long investigation into the main South football sanctions that happened um, March, if you remember. Um, that uh, the IHSA got rid of or vacated all of uh, Maine South's seven wins during the regular season last year and two playoff wins um, and put them on probation this year. Um, ever since then, I've been looking into, uh, you know, what 
went into all of this and that sort of stuff. And um, in my research, the biggest, uh, you know, when they uh, when you go to journalism school, they always ask you, you know, ask all the basic five questions, who, what, where, why, and all that stuff. And um, the biggest thing for my story is that we don't know what happened and why and who knew, which is uh, um, always kind of interesting. Um, but what we do know is that David and Sarah faced three conditions to keep his job, which he agreed upon. Um, the first condition was that his longtime offensive coordinator, Charlie Bliss, could no longer coach with him. Um, and then I discovered that that was because he was uh, he resigned from his position at Maine West um, through this is all obtained through Freedom of Information Act um, emails and personnel documents and that kind of stuff after uh, um, inappropriate comment that he made in front of other staff members. And um, ever since then, he's not been allowed to coach with Maine South, but he is at Loyola right now on the football staff. Um, working with uh, with the players there, but um, uh, just uh, make sure you check out that story. Just a lot uh, to look into. Obviously, I think the biggest thing you can take from a story like this is this is not primarily a, a main South issue. Um, all these residency issues take place, you know, throughout the state. Um, both, you know, IHSA President Craig Anderson and District uh, Superintendent Ken Wallace talked about how, you know, there are only so much a district can do to prove. Um, that everyone lives where they say they live, but, you know, the district alone had to run an entire investigation to see who's where. The IHSA doesn't really have the bandwidth to do that. So um, a really interesting story, Joe, just, you know, looking at all of this, um, looking at the fallout of what happened, all the perceptions and that kind of stuff. And I, I think the biggest thing from the story is that, you know, we don't know really what happened yet. No one would clarify what happened. No one wanted to say exactly what happened, who knew what. And there are a lot more questions, you know, half a year after when the sanctions were allowed, were announced. And um, that uh, is kind of interesting, just looking at the whole scenario here. I think it's very interesting. And, and kudos to you and, and the staff at uh, Friday Night Drive for um, staying on this story, I think it's important accountability journalism. Um, this is um, something in the community, uh, the Maine South football program that people care about, that people um, are invested in, and um, that has a lot of power in the community. It's important to hold those things in check and um, checks and balances, as they say, it's, it's one of the tenets of the fourth estate of journalism. Um, so kudos to you guys. Um, to me, you know, with that in mind, to me, it's I wouldn't say surprising. It's just disappointing that uh, we wouldn't be really upfront. We, I mean, uh, um, a public high school wouldn't be very upfront with what happened when it happened and why. I mean, we're talking about a high school football program that violated uh, rules and um, lost a, a games because of it, faced infractions. There was an internal investigation. There was an IHSA um, influence in that. And I, I think we should know the who and uh how many? And uh, obviously, I, I guess we didn't even preface it too much in saying last year the sanctions were for out-of-district players competing. Um, but that's right. kind of all we know, correct? Like, we don't know how many games they competed in or how many players? We don't know how many players who or anything like that, and the district never clarified. Um, I asked a bunch of times whether this was primarily a Maine South issue and a, primarily a football issue. Um, and the district said that it would only it would self-report if there were any issues. And uh, the IHSA said that football at Maine South was the only one that was self-reported. So um, just an interesting, just, you know, looking at it all, just 
um, the lack of clarity of just like who was involved, who knew what. And, um, you know, I, the district came out and said um, that, you know, that coaches were not aware of it um, and were not aware that it was going on. But um, when I talked to IHSA President Craig Anderson, he said that the strong, at first he said that the strong sanctions were a result of him believing that coaches knew about it. But then after looking for clarification with the uh, district about this, when they had two conflicting reports, um, Craig Anderson asked to retract his statement um, and said that he learned those suspicions based off an off the record conversation and that um, it was all based off of, uh, you know, just using, uh, you know, players who didn't live within the residency. But that is just another example of no clarity, just no no, you know, I understand it's a um, it's a, you got to protect personal information. I'm not saying that you need to say, here are the specific players who are out of the district and, you know, here are their names and here are they live, where they live. Like, I don't think you need to know that information, but I don't think there's any harm in knowing, was it one player? Was it five players? Was it 10? You know, how many games did they play in? You know, that kind of information is important to know. And, um, I think people in the district have a right to know. I think people around the state have a right to know. And I don't think this is, I, I don't think this is primarily like a Maine South problem. I know this is happening in, you know, districts all across the state. You know, all this these residency things happen not only in Maine South, they happen in the western suburbs, the southern suburbs, they happen in the city. Like this is not just primarily a Maine South issue, but after getting caught and, you know, doing sanctions, you I would have hoped for more answers, but we obviously did not get those answers and we're only able to present to the people what we were able to find and, you know, able to verify and, you know, through different Freedom of Information Acts and different stuff like that. So um, hopefully people found that interesting. Obviously, we would have wanted to have more answers, but we were trying to provide as much as we could, you know, after doing practically half a year's of investigation. Yeah. And I could, again, um, it's great that you guys stayed on it for sure. I think that a lot of public agencies, not just Maine South, not just school districts, but public agencies use FOIA uh, public records exceptions, such as uh, personal information or uh, working discussions. You know, there, there's a list of, of ones and they're meant to protect people and that's protect the community, but they use them to their advantage sometimes. And I think that's wrong to do when there's um, truth at stake and, and people deserve the truth um, about certain things. I think um, they are, there are ways to protect your internal community, the main South community or whatever public age that is, as well as inform the public. There is a, uh, a gray area there that you can certainly meet. And I think they take advantage of that gray area, um, too much in my opinion. And that's from filing, I don't know, a couple hundred FOIA requests in the past five years. I don't know, whatever I've done. So, and, um, it's, uh, it, it is what it is, but, um, you get that information, that information comes out because of community members um, speaking up and, and and telling the truth to power. And I think those people are often overlooked. So kudos to community members for staying engaged and this story will keep them engaged. And that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so uh, make sure you check out the story. You can find it at FridayNightDrive.com. Like all our other stories there, make sure you check it out. I'll get all the details about the three conditions, everything else that we know and don't know. Um, uh, it's definitely worth your while. So uh, make sure you check it out. All right, let's move on over now to the second quarter where we are joined by new Trier football coach, Brian Dahl. Joe, I know you got a chance to catch up or Mario got a chance to catch up with him after the game. Um, it, it felt like a lot of uh, 
um, realizations were made after this game. And I think Dahl gave a lot of good quotes and a lot of good introspection into what's been going on with this team all season long. Yeah, I think this was a good uh, kind of, um, um, yeah, I guess you said a real realization moment or come to come to Jesus interview, if you will, as they like to say. And uh, it's it's candid. And I think it's it's important that it was said because um, I think a lot of uh, players and, and, and everybody within the Nutrier community, uh, Nutrier football community um, was expecting some things. So, um, I mean, here it is. All right, have a listen. Overall thoughts on the night and just what, what went wrong there at the end for you guys? I mean, we just made error after error after error. You know, you can't, after the safety, when our defense does a nice job keeping them down here, you know, to fumble the ball and then have seven, I think we counted seven missed tackles on the final touchdown for them. So seven guys had a chance to stop them. Not to say they wouldn't have more plays, but it was third and really long. Yeah. So, you know, it would have been fourth down and we would have been in good shape. I mean, we were we were there to make a play. We had a lot of guys miss plays. And uh, I'm disappointed in the execution. I'm disappointed in uh, a lot of things. And uh, I don't really have a lot of words right now, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm kind of in shock. Uh, we, we have not become the football team I was hoping we'd become. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take responsibility for that. How backbreaking is night like tonight for the group, Coach? Very, very. You know, you're one in five now. Uh, I mean, there's not much else I can say. The record speaks for itself. Uh, we got to be better. And um, like I said, I, there's a lot of things I could point at, but I'll just take the responsibility for it. The big plays tonight, Coach, um, obviously that was yeah a little bit of an issue last week as well. Sure. Um, and then to... What? Oh, okay. To come out tonight and then the big play right before the half, the yeah. big play at the yeah. end, obviously. Um, defensively, what has to change to prevent that from happening in the future? I mean, kids just have to follow their assignments. And we had, we had three kids do the wrong thing on that play. Um, we're in a prevent defense, and we had three guys jump up the minute the quarterback scrambled, and nobody covered the ID. And that's just lack of execution. And, uh, uh, we got to do better. Better job, I guess, explaining to them to stay deep in that situation. Uh, but, you know, one of our big goals this week is tackling, and we focus completely on it. In practice is probably the most difficult week of practice we've had tackling-wise, and then come out here and not have to tackling-wise is hard to watch. The offensive line, Coach, has kind of been something I've noticed the last yep. couple of weeks, and tonight it was pretty clear that there was some trouble there. Yep. Um, where do you go from there with that unit? How do you improve there? Obviously, uh, that's a big part of what what came down at the end there, not not being enough time on a lot of plays. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we were not not doing well on the uh, offensive line tonight, and um, you know we got to also get rid of the ball instead of taking sacks. So you know the pressures are the pressures. They did a good job up front. Number one was a problem for us all night long, but um, you know our offensive line has to dig down deep in those situations and make plays. They know who they have to block. They got to execute it. The environment tonight, Coach, obviously you've been here a lot over your time, but yep. um, tough place to play. How, how challenging is it on a night like tonight, homecoming yeah, night? I think it's just fun, you know, that's me. I, I think it's a fun place to play, and, you know, we've, uh, you know, we haven't lost here very much since I've been here, but it hurt this one. This one last, two, last two times we've been here. Two, times, two out of two out of ten. <laughs> two out of ten. So, not, uh, you know, and this, this is one that is going to stand, but look, a lot of them have stung this year. We've been close, but we're not getting over the hump, and that, like I said, lack of execution and preparation and stuff is really hurting.
Does tonight kind of feel like a summation of the whole season, Coach? It's yeah. kind of just yeah. been... Yeah, yeah, I mean... It, well, not not a, only in the sense of an, an execution sense, but also just from the view of, like, every bounce of the ball that just goes could down. go your way this year yeah. has, has gone the other way. 100%. Um, yeah, you feel very unlucky um, throughout the year, and, um, you know, I guess you want to be a team that has luck. We're about as unlucky as it gets right now, so, you know... I, I think the last five, six minutes of the game, everything that could have gone wrong, kind of like the prospect game, went wrong. Yeah. And so it's just the way it feels at this point in time. Well, I, was in, I was in shock, yeah, to when he scored. I mean, I thought the play was done. We had a guy right on him. He missed the tackle. Next guy missed the tackle. And then it was like a big scrum. Nobody tackled him. Uh, All so, of a sudden, he's 40 yards down. Yeah. Field. And you're like, you know, and I hear our guy in the back go, we got him. We got, oh, oh, oh. You know, he's like, I'm like, what do you mean? You know, and like from here, you can't really see it. But then you see him pop out, and you're like, Jesus. So, crazy. Crazy to watch. What is the message going to be to the guys now for these final weeks here, Coach? You know, I, to be honest with you, it's a new territory for me. I've never uh, never gone into week seven. Um, that's where we're at now. Never gone into week seven knowing that we will not be in the playoffs. So, um, you know, we'll have to regroup as a staff and talk about what the approach is. I don't know what it will be today at this point in time. Yeah. What do you hope can come from these last couple of weeks? Well, I mean, you're going to have to find guys that are willing to grow and play hard and um, you know, work hard with the seniors that deserve to play, and we're going to have to find some new faces and develop some of these seniors yeah. and sophomores. So. Thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches who join us each and every week. Always appreciate everybody's insight and honesty. All right, let's move on over now to the third quarter where we play our weekly game of way or no way. I throw out five propositions, and Joe and I argue or agree upon whether they can happen way or no way they cannot happen. Let's jump back over to golf, Joe. So way or no way, after Nutrier's impressive performance so far in the postseason, you're more confident that this team can win the state championship than you were before the playoffs started? More confident. Absolutely. And and that's, as we talk about golf, golf it's just so difficult to win um, in a two-day stretch. You could be the best team and uh, one or two or golfers has a few bad holes within a round. Um, and it's and you lose by a couple strokes. So it's difficult. Uh, but just the way they're playing is just, as a unit, is so impressive um, that uh, that I do. I, I think I did gain. I already thought they were a favorite, but now I'm just really confident in, the, in their chances. Yeah, I'm definitely going with the way here. Just with what they've been able to do so far this, you know, postseason, just in dominant fashion, too. I think that's the biggest thing. I think that this, you know, this team has really shown that they can compete. And um, obviously you're competing against other teams um, when you're competing for, you know, a sectional championship as a team. But, you know, it really is just a team atmosphere. Like you're not, you know, going back and down the court or you're not, you know, going up and down the field. Like you kind of are by yourself, but you're also with your teammates, but you're also going to whatever. So um, I think that this team is just rolling right now. So I uh, definitely am going with the way there. I think I'm definitely much more confident. I was already confident, but um, with how much they've dominated so far this postseason, um, I, it's definitely a way I'm more confident in their chances to win the championship as a team. North Shore Country Day is also heading down to state as a team in the lower class, Joe. Uh, way or no way you think after their postseason performance that they can place as a team at state? Yeah, I think so. I think they, you know, they, they've grown into over the past decade plus, uh, you know, one of the best teams in 1A. You know, they got a couple state championships. They got a couple more trophies, uh, including a second place two years ago. So them just being there is dangerous for other teams um, in the field. So, yeah, I think they can place. Wait. 
Yeah, I'm definitely going with the way there as well. I think, you know, we, we've known that they have the potential to do this type of stuff, but I think with, as the postseason has kind of gone further, I think we finally see that this team, you know, can really put together a lot of great performances. So um, I'm going with the way there as well. I think the North Shore Country Day, um, obviously, you know, depends on, you know, how things go, but um, I think they definitely have a potential to place it stayed. All right, Joe, New Trier Boys Soccer earned the number two seed in the Evanston sectional. Um, they uh, are behind OPRF in that sectional. Uh, Glenbrook North is the number one seed over at the Palatine uh, sectional. Um, Loyal earned the number 12 seed in the Evanston sectional. But way or no way, Joe, focusing on New Trier. Uh, New Trier deserved that number two seed in Evanston. Yeah, I think so. Uh, they've done everything in their power, and we've talked about kind of um, in-sectional play. If you're in the top four, uh, does it really matter that much? Because um, maybe specific, maybe even the top two, does it really matter that much? Um, you want to be the sectional top seed. It gives you a little better read or a sectional semi matchup. Um, but before that, if you're not taking care of business, then it's your it's kind of your own fault. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, you're splitting hairs. If you're talking about them and OPRF, who's had an awesome season, too. And, uh, yeah, they deserve to definitely be in the top two, though, and they are. Yeah, I think I definitely agree, especially, you know, GBN and uh, um, some of the other teams are in the Palatine uh, friend sectional instead. So, um, yeah, I think Nutria definitely earned the number two seed, especially since they beat Evanston. Um, I know Niles North and Lane Tech are having good seasons, but um, I think the Trevians definitely deserve that number two spot. So, yeah, that's definitely a way there. Uh, Joe, way or no way, you think that Loyola Boys Soccer can play spoiler in the Maine South Regional? They got Maine South and Evanston in their regional. Um, no, I think Evanston's too good. Um, and I think Maine South's pretty good. Um, to be honest, they've, they've done, done some good things as well. Um, I just don't think Loyola has has the arsenal this year to, to make a run at a regional. Um, so I'll say no way. Yeah, I think I'll go with no way, unfortunately, as well. I think, you know, as a number 12 seed, they might give Maine South, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a battle here in the semifinals when they start on October 17th. But um, Evanston has just shown that it's a very tough opponent and um, a really talented team as well. So I'm going to have to go no way. I don't think they can uh, play spoiler there. All right, Joe, finishing things off with Nutria Girls Volleyball, who took three out of, who lost three out of four um, in their uh, tournament over the weekend, or they lost three out of five um, in the tournament. Joe, way or no way you're concerned about the losses to uh, Kentucky team and then Downers Grove North and Sandberg? No, those are power schools. This was the Nike Classic or the Nike Individual. I can't remember what it's called. Midwest something. Um, I'm sure the tournament. Discovery, is that it? Um, yeah. It's a big tournament, and it brings the best teams in the state. And uh, they also picked up a couple wins, which I think is nice. Um, they would have liked more, but I, I just think that uh, you kind of learn a bit who you are. Um, you see how you play against that tough competition, and it it it, uh, it builds some character heading into the postseason. So I'm not overly concerned, though. Yeah, I'd go with no way as well. I think, you know, losing to Sandberg and Downers Grove North and then losing to uh, Assumption from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and those two losses to Sandberg and Downers Grove North were 2-1 losses. So um, obviously tied matchups in there. So, um, yeah, I'm not really concerned. If anything, that's probably 
Um, I know people hate it when I probably say it at this point, but those are good losses. Those are good experiences to have. Maybe that's a better way of phrasing it, but um, I, I think they probably gained some good experience of those moments. So um, I'm going to go with no way. I'm not concerned there. All right, Joe, let's move on over now to the fourth quarter where we preview weeks number seven of the football season. We are heading into the final third of the year and we've got some fun matchups here. Um, Let's start things off, Joe. I really want to talk about this Loyola at IC Catholic matchup. I'll be at this game in Elmhurst on Friday. Um, IC Catholic, 5-1, and one, uh, lost their first game against St. Francis in the nail-biter last week. Um, IC Catholic really proving that it can compete in the CCLESCC. They beat Marist earlier. Um, they took down Nazareth um, in overtime. Um, some good wins there. Um, and I think Loyola... I think if you look, you know, at this game on paper, IC Catholic has 33 people on their roster. Loyola has like what, 100, like double the, or triple the amount of guys. Yeah. But I think that the guys that IC Catholic does have are really talented players. You got KJ Parker. He's going to. I'm not sure if Aaron Carter is going to play, but he's he's been kind of out this season. But um, he's a commit for Texas A&M. Their quarterback is really strong. They got really stout offensive and defensive line. So, yeah, maybe IC Catholic doesn't have, you know, the numbers that Loyola does, but I think the players that they do have, they have a lot of talent. It's just a question of whether IC Catholic can keep up with Loyola, who has depth upon depth and, you know, can give guys breaks and get their secondary in there, who's really good as well. Yeah, um, it is a very interesting matchup, and it's going to be fun. I'm going to be there, too, so I'll see you there. Um I just think Loyola's just got too much and it's, it's depth. And it's also just, you know, the size of um, the program means you, you can kind of always find the best, I guess that is depth, uh, the best guy. And, and when you do have to switch out because of injury or whatever, you're not really taking a big step down, if any step down and um, means bigger, you know, bigger coaching staffs and um, bigger facilities, things like that. And I just think uh, Loyola might have a little bit too much, but, that's a little, you know, th that could be the only difference um, because I think that what I see has done um, against uh, tough competition this year has been really impressive. It's a good football team, no matter the class. Uh, they put they put a very good product on the field, and I think it's going to be a good football game. I just like Loyola. I'm very curious to see. IC Catholic has scored 47, 34, 34, 36, 28, and 34 in a loss last week. So IC Catholic can score the ball. They've got skilled playmakers who can really, you know, make big plays. They got a quarterback who can run and can throw as well. I think this is a really interesting matchup where we've been talking about this Loyola defense and how elite it has been this so far this season. I think this is probably one of their tougher tests. Um, I'm sure probably the brother rice and, um, you know, St. Rita lines might be a little bit bigger than IC Catholic's line, but I don't know by how much, but um, I'm really interested to see how this defense responds when you've got a lot of big playmakers, especially KBA Parker um, on the wide receiver route for uh, IC Catholic and seeing uh, how much are you able to limit an offense that has just been really good this year? Yeah, it's about, I think, an important um, portion of this game, I think, is the beginning and establishing who you are. You know, if, if IC is able to establish their offensive game and, and their game plan 
and assert it on Loyola, whatever they want to do specifically. And I don't know IT enough to know what what's their best option against Loyola. But if they're able to do that, then we might be looking at at, at a game that IC wants to play. But that's, I mean, that's you know a rock in a hard place, uh, or uh, because uh, Loyola doesn't let you do that. So if Loyola asserts what they want to do on the defensive end and takes you out of your offensive game, I don't know if IC is going to have the uh, ability to um, react and adapt that quickly to stay in the football game for long. I, so I think an early portion of this game is huge for them. If IC is able to, to establish a little portion of who they are, then I think they're going to be in it for a while. Is this is this game a problem if it turns into a shootout? You know what I mean? Like we've seen Loyola's offense. They've been able to put up, you know, large margins and that kind of stuff. But we also saw them struggle against St. Rita. So is this a problem for Loyola if this game turns into a shootout? Yeah, I think just by the definition of a shootout, um, it is. You don't want Loyola certainly doesn't want you to score a lot of points. Um, and that's just because that's their part of their identity. So if that breaks down, what else breaks down, I think, is is it the thought? I think Loyola could win a shootout, but then it turns to should to could, right? Then then we're talking about what you enter a lot of variables um, in play with a shootout. A lot of throwing the ball, a lot of, a lot of offensive plays. You're trying to get chunks where mistakes can happen. So, yeah, Loyola certainly I don't think wants it to turn in the shootout, which they can win, but makes it a little more risky, I think, for them. Yeah, I'm very interested to see what Ryan Fitzgerald does in this game. He's been able to, you know, come up big. He obviously maybe didn't have the best performance he wanted to last week. But I think if Loyola wins this game, they need that offense to really get it going. And he's obviously the key to that offense. Yeah, and uh, he did come up. He's, he's been clutch. He's come up in, in big moments um, for them, um, like he did uh, with that uh, in, uh, in the win over San Rito. All right, we'll get a preview or we'll get picks out of there at the end of the quarter. But let's move over now. Highland Park hosts Niles West. Um, Joe, another big game for this team. Niles West is 5-1. and one. Um, They've been fairly good as they've made their change over to the CSL North. Um, their one loss is a 40-17 loss to uh, Hoffman Estates. They beat um, Niles North 38-6, to six, and they beat Vernon Hills 46-20. to 20. So, um, undefeated in conference play so far. Um, how do you make sure that this Highland Park team does what it did against Niles North and continues to run the ball and really limit opportunities defensively? I think that was important for them, and definitely something you just you just kind of led me with is is that they established a diverse running game, a, a multifaceted running game. Um, David Finford has shown he's got a couple games over 250, maybe three games this year and more in his career over 250 yards throwing. He can do it. And uh, so now can you establish a run game that can run for 150 uh, or at least over 100? And I, I think that's what they want to do. I think they want to have that balance that keeps the defense off balance and uh, against the main West team that can put up some points. And um, certainly the scores were similar against uh, Niles North kind of their like opponent so far. So um, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a good game. Niles West is certainly coming to this, this division um, and, and looking to make it uh, make a name for itself. Um, so it's going to be good. Good that it's on Walter's field. I just, you know, we, we got to play against like, like we did in that last game and in, and like we did against Maine West and not against Conant, uh, which was a, a big disappointment. So if it reverts back to that Giants team, they'll lose this football game. It's going to be another close one. And as Coach Kopp has talked about before, 
they're going to have to win a close game or two or three to make the postseason. Let's talk about the big picture here, Joe. Um, they got Niles West, who's at five one. Then they got May Nice next year, next week, and then they finish the season against Vernon Hills. They're at three and three, similar position the last couple of years. You got to win two out of your next three to make the playoffs. I don't think they make it in at four wins, um, just based on the schedule and that kind of stuff. What do you foresee happening here? You obviously got Main Main East and May, uh, Vernon Hills to finish the season, but um, I, 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 what do you expect this team to do? Are they finally going to be able to get over that hump and win two of these next three games in order to make the playoffs? I um, I think they are. I, I think the last two ones they'll be favored, and I think they'll they'll take care of business. Those two games are also, I believe, both on the road, um, so a little tougher. Um, yeah a piece of that but um i think they know what they want to do i think these seniors are motivated especially coming down the stretch here um knowing that it's right in front of them um and it was that way last year too but i, I think they weren't as good of a team at least not all around um so um i, I do think they're going to get over that hump it's just are they gonna can they get to six which i think they want to be clear of of any doubt before then so i think they're gonna you know be ready to go this friday night um on their home field um what do you feel how much do you kind of feel like the offense needs to carry this you know matchup on friday or is it more of a defensive effort just with what niles west has been able to accomplish so far this season i think they've scored or they've been they've scored 226 points in six games so far um giving up 93 but is the defense more important in this in a matchup like this, or do you kind of want the offense to kind of keep on doing what it did and maybe even take up more clock if they, uh, you know, run the ball a lot? I think the defense is more important, and not because it's better. The offense is clearly the superior. I, I think clearly the superior unit here. Um, it's just that the defense needs to step up in a couple spots, and they did against Maine West, but they certainly did it against Conan, as we know. Um, so. I don't think they need to pitch a shutout by any means. I just think they need in certain spots, they need to get off the field and get their offense back. And Niles West is going to put that pressure on. Um, so they're going to need to step up, um, you know, whether it's turnovers or just, you know, big tackle swaths getting off the field. Um, it's going to have to happen in a couple spots to beat Niles West. I do think their their offense will be able to compete. All right, we'll get a pick out of you um, in a couple minutes here, but let's go on new trier. Glenbrook North teams at one and five. Um, I mean, if you want to make the case, maybe if Nutrier wins out here, they get um, to four and five, and maybe they have enough playoff points to get into the 8A bracket. Um, but Joe, I don't, I, I don't know. Do you feel like this team is demoralized at this point? You know, just with what they've had to go through this entire season, um, or do you feel like they can come back and be motivated and maybe try to make somehow of a miraculous push? Yeah, I don't. I really don't know if I'm the coaching staff. If I dangle the playoffs, um, I just think the kids are pretty smart, and they could probably look at. I mean, left on their schedule is North with one win. I think Glenbrook South has one or two wins. Evanston's only got two wins. They're not racking up the wins anymore like they did in the non-conference season. So uh, it's gonna. I still think if they're even four and they're you know four wins and a couple teams get in. I don't even know if they'd be up there. So I wonder if you just dangle, this is character building. This is finishing a season. This is why we play sports. You know, you, you stand up for the guy next to you. You stand up when you get knocked down. You learn all those traits, that leadership, resiliency that you carry with you later in life. And, and you know, 
um, that you build upon. I think that might be more of a motivational tool than the playoffs at this point, but I'm not a coach of these guys. I don't know them like their coaches do. So um, that's just kind of what I'm thinking. And if I was a, um, a coach in the spot or even if I was a player, what I'd be wanting to hear, I'd kind of, I'd kind of see the playoffs as, as something we already lost. Now, what else can we, what else can we work toward and build for? Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's going to be tough. I mean, it's certainly demoralizing the, from 50 to three, from giving up 50 points to Maine South, to losing to your rival in kind of un, in very difficult fashion. I, you got to pick yourselves up off the ground to even come and play this game. It's homecoming. I think the fans will be there. I think at least some of the players will be motivated. I, I hope they all are, but you never know to put out a big performance. I think they just want, I think they want to beat somebody convincingly and just be able to say, see, you know, we've made some missteps, but we can do some things here. Let's prove it to ourselves. Glenbrook North beat Lane Tech 29 to nothing to start the year. Then they lost to Grant, Hersey, Buffalo Grove, Deerfield, and Maine South 52 to 15. Um, so obviously not a great season for Glenbrook North as well, but what do you expect out of this matchup and how do you feel like New Trier can kind of hang with the Spartans? I think you go down, you know, you go back to what your specialty is, and that is, um, you know, being able to get big plays, uh, being a little original on offense to get the ball to Miles, to get the ball, to find Jackson, uh, their running back, some space, and let them blow through a hole um, and get those big plays. You know, when they found success this year, it's not exactly a formula for sustained success, but it's been big plays. It's been the chunks. So, why not ride with that? You've got some playmakers here. Um, they might be able to, you know, you, they might be working in some young talent too. Who knows? Um, to just see what they've got going forward. Um, I just think, uh, you know, certain guys, Miles Kermiscoli has given a lot to this program the last two years and done a lot on both sides of the ball. I, I probably expect another big game out of him. I know Patrick Hennigan wants to get back on track to quarterback. He had a pretty nice game in spurts against Evanston. Um, I think he's going to want to do it both on, on the run game and in the passing game. Um, I just think they're going to want to finish strong. It's their last couple of games here. All right, let's get some predictions out of you. What happens? New tree or host Glenbrook North for host homecoming, Joe? I think I'm homecoming. They, they, uh, they take a victory. Maybe not as uh, impressive as I would have thought a few weeks ago, um, but um, I think they get back in their winning ways and maybe set up for a little – Nice spurt here at the end of the season. So I'll say they take this one um, 35 to 21. Yeah, I think that Nutrier gets this. I think this is a big, you know, get right game after everything that happened last couple weeks. Obviously what's happened this season. But um, I, I think uh, Nutrier wins this game 21 to 14. Um, you get the offense going maybe with a late score there. But um, I think Nutrier wins this game and they move on to two and five. Uh, Highland Park host now is West Joe. What happens is this matchup, and are they getting closer to one more uh, win away from making the playoffs? I think this is going to be a great football game, and uh, it's just which which Giants team steps up. If it's the one that's uh, motivated, and, and kind of if it's the one that played against Maine West and is just out there to to win a football game and play for forty eight minutes, I think they could pull it off. But I do think it's going to come down to the end. So. 
when that happens, I just uh, lean toward the the home team to to get to root them on a little bit, and uh, so I'll give Highland Park a twenty-eight twenty-seven win. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat here. I don't really know what side to pick or anything like that, but I think uh, Niles West has adjusted pretty well to the CSL North, obviously with their two wins there, um, and I think we saw a really good performance out of. Um, Highland Park last week, but then it, 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 it's it's hard to predict. So I I, I think I'm going to go with a 20, 21 to 17 win for Highland Park. I think Niles West um, drives toward late. They go for it, and they're just not able to pick up the score there to win the game. I think defense makes a big, big stop, um, kind of going off of what you were saying earlier. So I think Highland Park wins this game. Um, but if you told me otherwise, I wouldn't be too surprised. But, um, yeah, I, I'm going to go with the Giants in this one. All right, Joe Loyola at IC Catholic on Friday. Uh, what way are you going here? I'm I'm kind of – I can see this going either two ways. I can see this going a shootout, or I can see this going a defensive matchup. I'm very curious to see how you're going with this. I just trust that defense too much. I, I don't think there's a team in the state that can that can put up a lot of points on them. I just – until one does, I, I don't I don't know how you can. I think it's just built to withstand um, whatever high schools can bring to the table. So um, I don't think Loyola is going to completely blow them out, um, but I do think they're going to control this game, maybe similar to, to St. Rita. Um, I'll say we are at 25, 24. Um, no, stick with the 25. I'm curious to know how you get to 25. Well, isn't that what they just uh, – no, I don't want to do 25. 24 to uh, – but I think I see that good to score, so I'll say 10. Yeah, I'm very curious about this matchup, man. I can see this going either way, but I think I agree with you. There's no reason to doubt this defense because they haven't given us a reason to doubt this defense this entire season. Um, I think, man, it, it's really hard to go through the schedule an entire year um, with 33 guys with injuries and that kind of stuff, and I think Loyola just – I think Loyola does what it always does and just brings in their second guy and their third guys, and they just got so much depth. So I think that's the difference in this game. I think I see Kathleen maybe jumps on it really early, but I think I, Loyola eventually um, evens things out and takes the lead. I'm going to go with the 28-17 to 17 win for um, Loyola, I think Icy Capping is able to score early, but I think Loyola eventually scores late and the defense kind of picks it up. But I'm really interested in this matchup. I'm just very curious to see how Icy Catholic holds up with one of the better uh, Class A uh, teams in the state. Should be a fun matchup, obviously. So uh, that's everything that we got for this week's episode of the Varsity Podcast. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. We always appreciate your kind words and insight. Um, always appreciate uh, you spreading the word as well. Uh, so make sure you spread the word as you're at those sporting events this upcoming weekend and week. Uh, we always appreciate the kind words. Make sure you check out my stuff at FridayNightDrive.com. I've obviously got the Main South story up there. We've also got CCLA and CC Notebooks. We've got a lot of great coverage. We are heading down to the final weeks of the season, so make sure you check out Steve Susie's playoff predictions um, where he has different teams in the different brackets. Um, and obviously check out our Friday night uh, drive show each Friday night at 8 to 11. Um, always fun to uh, watch that and be a part of that show. Um, and as always, make sure you check out the record North Shore. Joe's got you covered not only in sports, but he's got you covered with everything going on in the North Shore area. 
So make sure you subscribe and donate um, and support Joe's great work there as well. All right, that's everything that we've got for this week's episode of the podcast. Make sure you enjoy the football season as we are heading down the stretch here. Uh, Soccer and girls volleyball. We've got girls tennis playoffs starting soon. We've got swimming. We've got cross country. We are heading into it now as we jump deeper into October. So make sure you enjoy some uh, sporting events as it finally starts to feel like fall. And uh, we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.